Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs here on part of, at least the bigger part of, the Locked On Podcast Network. We have a great show for you. Matt Derrick is here. We're going to go through another acquisition. It's not new. It's not old. It's a little bit of everything. And the fact that things actually got on the road and got trucking towards St. Joe, it's going to be an interesting time. We are ready for it. Hope you guys are too. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Welcome back. It's Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com. How are you, Matt? I'm doing okay, Ryan. I'm trying to get ready for the fun and games that are to come. And so you're soaking I, up the last hours of your vacation, and, huh? And I, I'm looking at the forecast for St. Joe, and yeah. Rut row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, it, when it's like 95 or higher every single day, yeah. Um, I vote no. Even, but, even 9.15 is too late then, right? But apparently I got outvoted, so Exactly. <laughs> It's it's going to be what it is. Um, I, I will not be surprised if there are practices that are rained out, you know, especially the way this summer's going. Seems like it's likely. I mean, I don't know. The whole thing seems a little bit strange to me. It, at this point, like knowing that you're getting ready to go and you're going to be covering it every day and you have like, what, 36 hours left to relax. Um, are you prepared for what strangeness this is going to bring? Um, I think so. I mean, we're going to see. I mean, it is, it's a, it's a step towards normalcy, but it's not going to be completely normal. Um, still haven't gotten a you know firm grasp on exactly how many tickets the chiefs have sold for, for training camp practices. I know, you know, the last time I checked that it looked like tickets were still available for most, if not all practices. So, you know, it's not a complete sellout or anything at this point. Hmm. Um, but you know, the Chiefs haven't told us exactly how many people that they're expecting to show up. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be like the past where you can just show up and and there might be some surprise crowds or anything. Got to have a ticket this time, so that's yep. not going to happen. Um, still trying to figure out exactly, you know, what everything's going to look like, and you know, and we're even, you know, just even media, we're just being told, hey, when you get up here, we'll show you how it's all going to work. So, <laughs> uh, I think we're going to find out on Saturday when the you know the the, the rookie mini camp starts that you know hey, we'll 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 see what's going on. But yeah, it's going to be close to maybe the same, but different. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm looking forward to it too. And the, the Chiefs account put something up on Tuesday that uh, you know that they're packed up and loading those tractor trailers to go up there and all that. Um, that really is the marking of it's all beginning, right, guys? They're making flight arrangements. They're getting into town. Is is that part of it? Is that like the key to getting back to normal is just getting on with it? Yeah, it is. I mean, and, and I think that's why, you know, training camp is, is a pretty big milestone. I mean, um, this was a pretty big threshold that the NFL wanted to get to. Uh, the fact that so many teams are able to to go away for camps, I mean, and getting a little bit closer to normal. Um, it's what the league wants. I mean, now we'll see. I mean, there's certainly going to be, you know, some areas of concern. I mean, mm -hmm. let's be realistic. I mean, you know, Missouri has not been doing great with vaccination rates. Uh, you know, my hometown of Springfield has been having a really tough time with the Delta variant spreading. Buchanan County, uh, where St. Joe is, has a vaccination rate hovering around 20 percent. So, you know, I mean, the the pandemic is still there and there's still things that have to be addressed and there's still precautions that need to be taken. And, you know, I'm going to be really curious, you know, what happens, you know, when and if the first positive test with players around the league starts occurring, 
you know, how do teams in the league address it? I mean, do they change their protocols? Do they adapt a little bit? I mean, we're going to see, but it almost seems inevitable that that challenge will arise at some point during training camp. And, yeah. you know, will that change the equation when it happens? I'm really interested to see that. I think we, sh- we should cover that in depth a little bit later when we talk about the, the logistics of doing this. But for the team right now, just the fact that you're able to get to this point, right? No matter what adaptations you're going to have to make. I, I feel like, particularly for this rookie class, there's been a lot, I think, a lot more attention on this particular year. It seems like they're in a better position than the class before them. And so, like, you could really act as though there's two rookie classes at this point. Yeah, you really can. I mean, you know, because remember, last year's rookie class didn't go through a tra- didn't go through a training camp. I mean, they just went through practices at Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, they're at they're at the training complex, so they haven't been through this. I mean, they don't they haven't been to the dorms. They haven't figured out where the lunchroom is. They haven't been to the weight rooms and the locker rooms and everything at the facility there. So yeah, it's it's all going to be new for them too. Uh, we'll be curious, you know, usually, you know, for the beginning of camp, you know, that's when you've got, you know, the first couple of days when the rookies report, quarterbacks report, injured players, you know, sometimes you may even have, you know, some returning rookies from the year before, you know, that are coming in as well. Mm-hmm. They will kind of count in that rookie group too. I'll be kind of curious, you know, to see, you know, who does come in. I mean, if some of, you know, maybe the bigger name rookies from a year ago do come in just early, just to get the lay of the land and see what's going on. I mean, wouldn't certainly surprise me. I mean, you know, yeah, there's a check-in day for veterans, but it doesn't mean they can't check in early. Right. Um, you know, most vets, when they've been around for a while, they're going to wait until 11.59 or 1.59, whatever the <laughs> deadline is that day, that's when they're going to roll in. Um, and, you know, and we're not going to get to see it this year because the check-ins are closed. That's not oh, going to be right. open to the media. Um, we're going to be, you know, we'll be doing zooms on those days, but we won't get to see them driving in and what time everybody arrives and what kind of pillow they're bringing or what uniform they're wearing. And no <laughs> Anthony Sherman. So I know. Right. I was hoping that Bucker was going to pick up the mantle. Maybe, maybe the new fullback Mike Burton might do that as well, but I, there'll be no skydiving. There'll be no NASCAR entrances. There'll be nothing. No, nothing. I mean, I know I think James Winchester would have to be the guy that's, you know, kind of stepping up and taking over. I mean, he's the he's the continuity there. But yeah. no, nope, we're going to at least wait one more year. Maybe then, you know, hey, maybe then Sherman can come in and put in a pinch hitting at per- a performance or something. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd okay. be great. There's got to be a sheriff's vehicle somewhere that is can be rented. But exactly. yeah, they could piece it together. Um, and the, the Chiefs are piecing all their things together, including their defense. Uh, They have a couple of parts that they still need. We're going to talk about Alex Okafor, what it means to this roster coming up next after we tell you about our friends at Rock Auto that can put some pieces together. And I want to tell you about our friends and sponsors, rockauto.com, where they can save you not only money, but time. And time might be the more important because it takes time to go to a store and find out what they have in stock. See if it fits your make, model, car, truck, whatever it is. You can go to rockauto.com and save both time and money. It's important. Why choose to spend 50 or 100% more plus lose time when you go to a physical store? You can go to rockauto.com and get it all at one time. Rock Auto is a family business, and they've been doing this for 20 years. They make things easy, and their prices are reliably low, and they're for everybody. Whether it's a professional or a keep-it-up-your-do-it-yourself kind of guy like me, um, my truck keeps running because of things like rockauto.com. I want you to check that out because they have everything from brake parts all the way up to air filters and everything else that you may need for your car or truck, go there, explore their website, check it out. I think you guys will really enjoy it. And at the end of the day, it's about saving you that time and money. So rockauto.com right now, get the, the parts that are available for your car. 
right in locked on when they have that little how did you hear about us box let them know that we sent you uh, amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and like our pals over there who are sponsoring the show thank you rock auto uh they went and i i, I find this whole timing interesting i want to talk about the pass rush alex okafor is back he is a kansas city chief that happened on tuesday a did it surprise you what do you what do you like of the, or dislike about the signing yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't a tremendous surprise. I mean, only in the sense that, you know, Okafor had been out there, obviously, at this point, you know, when a veteran's been out there for a while, you know, it's either price as a consideration or or teams just don't feel like, you know, the players are fit for them at this point. And, you know, with Okafor at age 30, with the injuries he had had over the last couple of years, you could see that maybe that's, you know, what was holding some teams back and everything. Uh, the timing with Okafor signing right after Ingram signs with the Steelers is, is I don't think, completely coincidental. I mean, that certainly <laughs> seems like maybe it was one shoot a drop and then the next one, um, you know, by the time that, hey, maybe people are listening to this, maybe Justin Houston has signed somewhere. But right. um, Okafor was, is the name out there that, frankly, made the most sense. I mean, certainly made a lot more sense than Justin Houston. Um, and I think even made more sense than, than Melvin Ingram. I mean, I think that when, when he came in for his visit and left without a contract, I mean, I think that was at that point, the chief saying, yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, probably not the right fit for us. So if that's the case, you know, you know, Okafor is a good fit. Um, couldn't, maybe he doesn't make the team. I mean, we're going to see where he is health wise, where he is physically. Um, uh, but you know, that this has been a good locker room presence. He's someone who fits in with this group. Um, checks all the boxes there so there's there's no concerns i mean it's really just going to be where he is and and if he's able to contribute and and be a part of this team then yeah i mean suddenly at this point you know i don't i don't think that you're terribly concerned about that edge position i I tell you what like it's interesting that you say that like i actually felt that with the ingram signing and then this happening fairly quickly right afterwards it felt to me like maybe they thought there was some upside there with the Ingram thing, and they were waiting for a number to come down. But then when he signs elsewhere, which coincidentally, one year, $4 million for Ingram, same as Bashad Breeland. Like, the Chiefs were offering contracts, evidently, but they're obviously very low dollar amounts. With that departure, Okafor and Ingram, their performance was, was very, very close in 2020. I don't know there's a ton of upside there, except for return to – what maybe their their career highs were. Overall, what do you think of the concept? He doesn't have to be a starter. He's I don't think he's here to start. I think he's here to really to kind of like herd and mentor this slew of young talent they have at the position in that room. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an interesting acquisition in that sense for sure because you know, I even though a lot of people have been talking about the fact that maybe the edge position had enough question marks and, and maybe wasn't as deep as people would like. But then at the same time, you know, you're talking about a group that w- if you include Chris Jones in that number, which I do, because I I feel like that Chris Jones is going to be a defensive end who plays inside occasionally. Mm. Uh, maybe that's not exactly how it's going to shake out, but that's my, that's my gut at this point. If that's the case and you got Clark and then you got Kando and you got Mike Dana and you got Taco Charlton, suddenly you know, you had Alex Okafor to this mix. I mean, and now you're like, I mean, are all these guys definitely going to make the team? I mean, there's enough numbers there that I think there's a question. I mean, you know, I mean, she's going to keep nine, 10 defensive line on yeah. the 53. Um, maybe they'll end up keeping more you know, edgy type players than they do tackles because Chris Jones is going to be, you know, a guy that can move back and forth. Uh, maybe even, you know, some other guys can be some players that move back and forth. So, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the the numbers as far how it breaks down outside versus inside might be a little bit different. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Okafor, I mean, he checks all the boxes definitely from a leadership standpoint, from someone who can help out the young guys like, like Kando and Dana. I mean, that's a good presence. And you're right. I mean, from a performance standpoint with the, you know, at this point at 30 versus 32 for Ingram and with the miles that they have on those bodies, not necessarily a huge difference at this point. And, you know, and, and when I saw the numbers for Ingram at 4 million, I mean, to me, you know, remember the Chiefs had drawn Reed fall on their lap for five. Mm-hmm. There's not um, at this point in their careers. There's not a million dollars of difference between Jerron Reed and Melvin Ingram. There's a lot more than that difference between those two guys. So to me, the Chiefs plucking down four million on, on Ingram, that would almost be just like completely eliminating the great value that you got with Jerron Reed. Because at this point, I'm just not sure that you know four million is is what Melvin Ingram is at this point in his career. Gotcha, and that makes perfect sense. We don't have the number yet on Oak Four um, at the time of this recording, so I'm guessing it's substantially lower than that, but. I think at the end of the day, like you said, there's so much talent here. The expanded practice squad rules for veterans being able to be on there, This, I think that alleviates any concern that if you want to keep the young guys there and keep them in the room, you, you could certainly practice squad them at, at 30 years old, and I wouldn't be too bashful about that, would you? No, I mean, and and there's certainly, we know that there's veterans who have been cool with that. I mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you see a guy like Dustin Colquitt, uh, Matt Moore. I mean, the veterans have have the last season showed a you know a willingness to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, hey, it would Okafor fit into that category? I mean, could very well. I mean, you know, it's there's a difference in money. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And you know, with the new CBA rules, it, it caps what you can pay, even those veteran practice squad guys. So yeah, I can see there's probably some guys who who maybe for them it's just too much of a pay cut to worry about, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's another option. And I, it's, it's, it seems like it's a smart addition to me because, especially because you just don't know where you're going to be six weeks from now when it comes to injuries. And, you know, having a guy like Okafor around, I mean, we're talking about the depth and the numbers. Hey, one guy sprains an ankle and all of a sudden your depth goes away. And that's why, you know, having Okafor in at this point, I think puts the Chiefs in a position where they feel like that they know, they feel like that they can pretty much bank on the fact that they're going to be able to have a good veteran young player mix on that, that edge position going into the season. Well, and, and I'll tell you this, in, in case of a COVID stir at the position group, that's another break glass situation. A guy that can come in and give you reps with it. You don't have to cram a bunch of information into his head. He's got this defense down. Like it, it seems like a very easy transition for me, a safe signing. Yeah. And and I go back to, to you know, what you mentioned about just the kind of player that Okafor is. It's going to be a great, you know, leadership by example kind of guy for for Kane, Doe, and Dana, and some of the other young defensive linemen that they have to watch because Okafor's. I mean, he's a hard worker. He really is. I mean, you know, it's you know, you don't grind in this league as long as he has and as successful as he has, you know, without being that kind of worker. And there's no doubt. I mean, you know, Okafor. I mean, he works out. He stays strong. He stays healthy. Those are all good examples for these young guys. Yeah, I think that's going to pay off for them. There are other wrinkles to this, too, in particular, that that I want to delve into as we look forward to seeing some players on the field here within the next 48 hours. We're going to get into that coming up next, but I'm not going to bet against seeing anything that might include 55 out there. And we'll give you more from our friends over at betonline.ag as well. And betonline is the fastest and easiest way to make all your sports action bets. Baseball season through the roof, NBA, NHL, obviously football even UFC and MMA, 
before the next contest. Go to BetOnline on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the sporting news, the odds, the bonuses, everything you need to place your action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs at playoffs or even a brand new season. Head over to the website, use your device, and check it out today. You'll receive a 50% bonus on your deposit. That's 50% on top of what you deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Let them know that we sent you over there. So the two big questions for me, what does this mean? Because there were a lot of folks, a lot of folks in and around that cover this team that felt that there, was, there wasn't a signing in the future, that this was not anything to be alarmed about in terms of the delay before any kind of punishment for Frank Clark, if at all. Does this tell you that the team is more concerned about having enough volume at the DN position because they may lose Frank for some games? I don't know if it's that signal to me because this was this was a position all along that I felt like was absolutely still a possibility for somebody to come in. Wasn't necessarily that it was going to be a, you know, a, a veteran signing at this point. It could have been a trade during camp. It could have even been a wait and see where you are when you get to the waiver wire and if there's a player mm-hmm. out there. But, you know, when you looked at the defensive side of the football, I mean, edge rusher and cornerback seem to be two positions that you, you can't have enough of those guys. And the Chiefs at this point, I don't think that they felt like they had enough of those guys. Does this signal anything with Frank Clark? I mean, it's the first transaction that would make you think that. Because at this point, obviously, the Chiefs haven't done anything to make you think that they're concerned about the availability of Frank Clark. I still don't think that this is connected to that. I mean, we will see. Um, you know, The Chiefs haven't had their hand forced as far as having to make a move with Frank Clark or to do anything with him. So... You know, the fact that they haven't taken an action, I mean, I get that, you know, it raises some questions. But then at the same time, Chiefs haven't done anything, which I think that, you know, they knew about this even during OTAs. And Frank Clark, you know, came in for, you know, the veteran minicamp. So, I mean, it was not a problem for them then. They knew that this was out there and a possibility. So I don't see that, you know, that this scaring the Chiefs in any way. I mean, I, I don't think this is, a you know, a move or a hedge against Frank Clark. I mean, I think it's just a hedge on that position, period, to be able to bring in a guy affordably that knows their system, knows their team, that they know that they're comfortable with, that they got good chemistry with. I mean, that's, I think, probably all there is behind this signing at this point. Okay. So uh, that takes me down a different road. I'm glad you brought that up. So with how you feel about the situation with Clark and with this signing of Alex Okafor, does that then negate what you thought about a possible trade or, or a cut-down signing? Does that take that off the table? I mean, I think it makes it less likely, but then again, I mean, that just depends on how camp plays out. I mean, you know, if we're talking about placing the odds on something happening to Frank Clark that, you know, he's for, he's not going to be playing 17 games this season, my gut right now is that those odds are pretty low. I mean, we'll see how the legal process plays out, how the league plays out their investigation. I mean, if things move more quickly than we expect, but when was the last time that we saw the NFL on one of these investigations? you know, move with a, a great deal of alacrity. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And and not to be flippant about it or anything, but, you know, the, the Richard Sherman issue is a much more pressing issue for the league. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a more violent, it was a more violent video nature of that incident. You know, Frank Clark's not been charged with a violent crime. You know, that's the thing kind of working in his favor on this. Um, so, you know, we'll see how the legal situation plays out. But if the legal situation for Frank Clark doesn't come to a conclusion till after the season, which the way that the wheels of justice grind seems very likely. 
then he's probably not going to face any punishment this season. And so, yeah, to me at this point, as far as whether this means that the Chiefs would make another move, I think it's going to be up to just what happens. I mean, if you get injuries, um, you get some guys who underperform, then yeah, I mean, you know, to me, looking at the waiver wire, looking at trades, still a possibility. Um, but it makes it less likely. I mean, I think, yeah, I need to meet a future that they're they're looking to shore up that position. I think they feel like they're pretty good right now. Okay, that makes sense. The other thing that you mentioned earlier in the show, and, and it's been stewing with me for a while, I get this question all the time, and I understand how I feel about it, but maybe I'm over in one field or the other. But how, you mentioned that while this is a fresh signing at a position that still needed some some bulking up, some some depth, you mentioned that Justin Houston wasn't a fit. For me, it's a it's about the physicality of the position now. And at his age, I'm not sure that he can stand up to that too. When you look at what he did in Indianapolis, it, it seemed like it slowed down rather dramatically towards the end of their season last year. But is it just a physical thing for you? Or where do you think that would have stood in, in the hierarchy of possible signings? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a lot of reasons why I would say a Justin Houston wouldn't be a fit for this defense. I mean, you know, hey, clearly, you know, Justin Houston's been talented enough in his career to play multiple spots. But, you know, Chiefs play a different scheme than they did when Justin Houston was last here. Um, Justin Houston's also an alpha, and the Chiefs have a lot of alphas on that defense anyway. And they're not that's not what they're looking for. I mean, Justin Houston's going to be a great fit for a team that needs that that they need an, an alpha veteran defensive player, you know, on the front end who can get after the quarterback and, hey, maybe he's not the guy that he once was, but you know he can give you productive snaps. I mean, that's not what the Chiefs are in the market for. And so, yeah, I, I think that just overall scheme, um, you get to the, the chemistry of the locker room. Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing. And, you know, and and let's face it, I mean, you know, nobody necessarily said anything, you know, bad when when these two split but mm-hmm. it wasn't it was it was not exactly a peaceful break between the Chiefs and Justin Houston and I'm just not sure if you know there's been enough time pass for that to be a, a relationship that can be mended right now yeah I kind of feel that way as well my last question for you though it, it, that's one position like you said the other one was corner it seems like it could probably use a brush up another another bright spot on there it feels to me like that's a more likely like Veach hunting for a trade partner on that position does that ring true with you it does i mean you know the the chiefs they're not looking for a starter to come in i mean this isn't where the chiefs were three years ago where a guy like orlando scandra could come in and step into the starting lineup off the street i mean that's not where the chiefs are what they would be looking for is to shore up that depth and the biggest reasons why is that you know the depth pieces that they have are just too many question marks i mean you know we're going to find out you know, here in a couple of days, you know, hey, DeAndre Baker, I would expect would probably report with the injured players. Mm -hmm. We'll see if he's 100%. I mean, if he's not out there going through drills and everything, then you can probably expect that he would start training camp on the pup list. And if that's the case, then, you know, you know, he's got a little bit of time before he's ready to be 100%. Mike Hughes, you don't know what you have. I mean, that was, you know, I mean, they've made their moves as far as, you know, scouring, whether it's other rosters, the veteran free agent market, whatever it may be. I mean, they've made the moves to, you know, they, they can at this point. You're right. I mean, at that corner spot, I mean, if they're going to be bringing anybody in, it's not for a starter. It's going to be looking for depth pieces at that four and five spot. And yeah, I mean, that's where I think you're right. I mean, look at the waiver wire, look at other teams around the league where they may have, you know, teams that may have just some extra guys there that maybe there's a young player, you know, year one, year two, that they're going to have to move on from that, you know, the Chiefs could bounce on. 
but then again, I mean, you know, the Chiefs have their own guys. I mean, they've got some young guys that they've bet on, um, even outside of Baker and Hughes that, you know, could hit. And if that's the case, then they're going to feel a lot better about the, where they are. But no, I mean, once, like I said earlier, you can't have enough guys that can cover in this league and injuries, poor performance. I mean, there's a lot of things that can erode through that depth quickly in camp. Folks, if you want to know more, make sure you get to ChiefsDigest.com where Matt puts all this information for you to ingest at your own leisure. And if you want to spend the next couple of days while you're waiting for guys in uniforms, go scour every first-round cornerback picked in the last three seasons. See how he's doing. If he's not quite up to snuff, he might be on Brett Veach's radar. Matt, thanks for the time today. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Folks, we, we appreciate your time. Get ready for uniforms. We'll be back tomorrow with a little bit of a preview. Thanks for watching today. We'll check you next time. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.